0: Hello everyone, welcome to Wired In. I'm your host Blake Johnson alongside my co-host Spencer Cole. Spencer, how are you doing today?
1: Hello, hello. I'm doing all right. Uh, how's your week been so far?
0: Weekend, weekend's pretty good and things are things are going pretty well. So, I have a I'm going to be turning a year older in just a few days, so Oh, well, uh, happy exciting. early birthday. Yeah, appreciate or, well, that. Well, I
1: guess by the time we release this, it'll be your late birthday, but you know.
0: Well, it it should it should <laughs> have not been Depending my birthday quite yet. I, I'm not going to wait a full week to, mm. to put it out, but yeah, it it'll have been. No,
1: it'll be a mystery.
0: We'll see. We'll <laughs> see what we'll see what happens. I'll I'll keep everyone in suspense as to when our new episode will pop up. But we've had a, we've had a couple new people join in to start listening to our shows, and so that's good. We're slowly very slowly, but surely growing our our podcast and building the community man. That's right. We're building our own wired end gang. <laughs> oh, so yeah. yeah, we just added I think we just added another maybe two new platforms to listen to our podcast on. Obviously you can catch us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. You can also catch us at Breaker. Pocket Casts, Overcast, and Radio Public. Still working on Apple Podcasts and CastBox, which are two other fairly popular apps to use for listening to podcasts, so hopefully we'll be on those in the near future, but for now, if you like to listen on podcasts on those other platforms, feel free to do so, but we are are committed to bringing you quality content on a weekly basis, so... That's uh, that's the agenda there.
1: So very soon we'll be uh, banned off of Twitter for our agenda, but you know, that's neither <laughs> yeah. here nor there.
0: Well, once I get an account set up for our <laughs> for our show, we'll see how long that lasts. But hey, hey who
1: knows? Maybe that will be what will uh, you know spark our, uh, our our takeoff for you know the show is uh, getting banned off Twitter. That's right, it's creating outrage culture.
0: We we could be the next <laughs> we could be the next uh, Joe Rogan who's now getting threatened with did he strikes did
1: he, get, uh, did he get banned off Twitter
0: no but so on Spotify for those of you that don't know first of all Joe Rogan is pretty much the Rush Limbaugh podcast he's like untouchable his he's the most listened yeah, to. yeah
1: if he was like a like slightly leftist centrist rush limbaugh essentially yeah i mean
0: definitely not rush limbaugh in terms of viewpoints but as far as like stature goes in the yeah. broadcasting industry he's he's like the top of of the food chain for just strictly podcasting but he he just signed a deal with spotify to have all of his stuff brought over there including i think his video podcast i'm not sure but um but there's been recent controversy because he's interviewed some controversial figures like Alex Jones and Gavin McInnes and a couple others. And I guess there's some disgruntled employees at Spotify that are upset because the the episodes with those guests and with with those topics that they would discuss are still up there. And they are threatening to strike unless Spotify either edits or completely removes those sections of the show or just removes the episode entirely. One of those things has to happen in their well, minds.
1: Well, the stupid thing is that it's a licensing deal.
0: They can't, like, I mean, they, they don't have, like, legal creative control over the show. Right, and you got to think that Joe Rogan going into the the contract is like, okay, I'll sign with you, but these are my shows. And you're not gonna delete them, essentially. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, well, what's funny? What's funny
1: is um, I think the um, the episodes with Tim Pool and uh, Sargon of the Cod um, have been like taken off, like weren't like ported over to uh, Spotify. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, those guys are like the most like, you know, <laughs> like neutral, like you know, the most. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy that you know they they're considered controversial because they're you know the mo- the most milk toast you know politically speaking the most milk toast you know people you'll ever come across uh yeah <laughs> yeah it's, yeah, it's I'm like that's considered
0: controversial pretty much anything that doesn't fall in lockstep with the silicon valley point of view which you know is where a lot of these big Very true. big tech companies are based out of if you don't fall in lockstep if you start to offend certain people they'll they'll try to demonetize you whether you're hardcore conservative or you're centrist or you're in Joe Rogan's case center left sometimes I don't know I have a hard time figuring him out sometimes because on the one hand he'll support Bernie Sanders but on the other hand he's open to it, it was just kind of the thing I like about Joe Rogan is he's he's open to different ideas and he's not afraid to talk to people on on all sides. So you would think that places like YouTube and Spotify and, and other places would would really want that kind of a show because it drives up ratings for them. But now, you know, and, and the, the funny thing is I was looking into the story a little bit and these Spotify employees rake in like triple digits Uh, like six figures I should say six figures a year I mean these these are not poor people and they're upset about this it's like yeah but they signed multi-million dollar deals with these these big name hosts so which are they gonna really care about more (laughs) it's kind of where I'm thinking you
1: know we were gonna have Joe Rogan on you know we were gonna you know sign this licensing deal but our intern with blue hair was kind of mad that you know sargon of the cod was on joe rogan one time so (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's it's nonsense man
0: it's it's frustrating because i like i like hearing from different points of view i don't necessarily listen to all points of view all the time you know because i typically have my set of shows that i like to listen to every day and you know if i have time to to mix in a different show i will but you know I, i I just the reason I bring this topic up is that it's concerning to see more and more it's not just conservatives that are the target of these companies it's pretty much anyone again that doesn't fall in line with yeah, if certain you're viewpoints yeah
1: it's not a raise progressive or marxist you know and it's like you, it's, you get the
0: boot yeah it's so frustrating because i think i think the best kind of the best kind of debate the best kind of discussion is the discussions where you know, all sides are, are presented. You don't want to live in a bubble. I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's kind of how, you know, we live our normal everyday lives. Anyways, you try, you try not to live in a bubble where all you hear is the same point of view that you're used to hearing. Nope. You're a
1: bigoted, bigoted misogynist. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Sorry to point that out to you, Blake, but
0: (laughs) yeah. So anyway,
1: people, you, you talk to people with the uh, opposing political viewpoint of you. Nope. You're a bigot.
0: Yeah, well, that's that's part of the white privilege, you know. I that's yeah, that's, you know, yeah. That's that's the problem right there. Is you're you're white privileged if you think that there's more <laughs> more than yeah, one side right. of the story. <laughs> so anyway, I just thought that was kind of noteworthy to bring up. But so in other news, I mean, it's kind of hard to find out what's going on in the world because there's just so little to talk about. We haven't seems had like hardly.
1: It seems like everything is happening within like milliseconds apart of each other. You <laughs> I know, know?
0: It's, it's, it's yeah, I, I've said this before, but back when we first started in broadcasting, essentially back in college, you know, sometimes I would have a hard time finding material, yeah. like material that wouldn't bore you to tears to talk about on the show. Now it's like every day is about a year's worth of stories <laughs> to to yeah, bring exactly. up. So, you know, we've we've had. I mean, just think about it. In in just two months from now, essentially, we'll know who the next president is, whether it's mm-hmm. Trump again or if it's a new president. We'll more than likely have a new Supreme Court justice. Uh, you know, and oh, I'm sure there's there's other things that I'm I'm missing. But so much of the stories move so fast; it's it's hard to keep up with and. The probably the most noteworthy thing that's happened in the past week was the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, or as they typically like to call her, RBG. She you know, passed it's away.
1: Like, I bet like ninety percent of the people who are crying over Ruth Bader Ginsburg like have no idea who she even was. I yeah. guarantee you, like ninety percent. If they you just, had asked them they like the day before she had died, like the day before she had died, if you had asked, like if you had just gone out to the middle of the public. And just been like, "Hey, do you know who Ruth Bader Ginsburg is?" <laughs> I bet you eighty to ninety percent of them wouldn't you have even known.
0: Yeah, and and the ones that would have known were like, "Oh, she's a liberal, she's a woman, and she stands up for abortion and stuff like that." And, Yay, go RBG! <laughs> she's pro woman, pro choice, pro all this and that. And you know, when you really dig deep into what she what she stood for and her her point of view. Boy, I, I don't see her as a real champion for, for women. It's my opinion, but I don't see her as some great, you know, obviously I think it's a a good thing for, you know, a woman to be on the Supreme court and to be in public office. Certainly have no issue with that. I just don't think she was the best one to put there.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, like and this could just be us and our male privilege. Yeah, you know, white, our white
0: privilege, our like, sexism, Spencer. Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: or just our misogyny but mm. uh, <laughs> but like it's just ridiculous to me that all these people are just going around you know acting like she was just this holy patron saint simply because she had a vagina. She was, was Mother Teresa court. Spencer. It's just like dude like <laughs> I had read I had read up on her after her passing and like just the stuff that I had read. How anyone can come away with the conclusion that she was like a competent or um you know you know this you know pioneer when it comes to you know <laughs> but like when it comes to Supreme Court justices, like it just it kind of blows me away because, you know, there were I had read where she had made multiple statements and um about how she was very pro population control and of course I'm um very much Uh, a pro-lifer you know i don't i'm not a uh, (gasps) the only time uh, oh my
0: goodness you just just want women to die in the back alleys Uh, that's that's all you want my
1: misogyny but uh (laughs) but uh i mean like no i mean you know realistically speaking the only time i'm you know ever for it for the most part is uh you know the only time i'm ever really for it is when uh the life of the child complicates or, you know, like basically puts the life of the mother at risk. At that point, I think the mother has a choice then. Um, Although I think that's actually like, I don't, I I think that's kind of like uh, an outlier to the problem itself uh, because I think there is a law actually that um, allows women to make that choice if the, if the life of the baby is going to risk the life of the mother um, Mm -hmm. due to health complications and whatnot. Um, But yeah, no, she, but with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she was... (laughs) She was very hardcore. Um, I mean, just down to just if a woman wants an abortion for any specific reason, it's like, boom, there you go. And I I, I don't think we should set that standard, but I just... It's I a know, little anyway. extreme, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, I, think, I think you had pointed this out to me. Um, she had made a statement about how she would base a lot of her court rulings and decisions off of... Uh, previous court cases in other countries, yeah, specifically
0: and, South Africa. She looked to the South African Constitution as her model for how she would rule on Supreme Court cases in the U.S. It's like, isn't yeah, but South the,
1: Africa like wildly corrupt?
0: <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a little corrupt. Yeah, uh, like, huh. yeah, that and that was several years ago. I remember that clip. I'd have to go back and find it, but yeah. It, and to me, you know, if you're gonna be on the Supreme Court, you're not ruling based off of other countries' models. you know, you're not you're not there to input your own personal viewpoints, even if you like the constitutions from other countries and you think we should bring that into our country, that's what the Senate is for. That's what the legislative body is for to make to make laws to bit, to make amendments and, and that kind of thing It's you're not there as a Supreme court justice to be an activist. And, exactly. and, and I hey, I'm, I'm saying that based on both the right and the left, you're not there to just put in your own personal point of view. You're there to read, to, to rule based on the text of the constitution. And that's, kind of that kind of goes into our discussion on on a different part of this is Spencer you'd put out a Facebook post on your own on your own personal page very controversial talking post. yeah very very controversial and you know I, I don't happen to share uh, the viewpoint per se but I think it's still an interesting one and I do think it it's definitely worth the discussion as opposed to just mm-hmm. You know, just accepting, oh, this is the way it's always been, and not even trying to think of a better way. But yeah. you, you had, you had talked about the idea of whether or not presidents should even be able to nominate Supreme Court justices, right?
1: Um, yeah. So essentially, uh, I, I have kind of rephrased, uh, basically, just because, out of having different conversations with different people. Um, but essentially, the more so, what I've came more so come away with now is that. I I just think having the president uh, possess, like, having the president possess the sole authority to nominate Supreme Court justices, I just think creates a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. I think if we have something exist within the executive branch, like, per se, you know, you have, like, the president and the Department of Justice and maybe another position. I don't know what that position would be, but uh, if you had multiple positions that were, um, you know, capable of nominating Supreme Court justices, then... At that point you you're not all the power isn't consolidated to one singular person. Um, so you could you know, in theory, it wouldn't be dependent upon um, you know the, the president's picks the president's pick specifically. Um and in turn you could have the Senate you you could have a rule in the Senate um put in place where, you know, there you know, the Senate cannot um basically refuse a hearing for a Supreme Court justice nominee um, Now I'm sure there are plenty of holes and flaws in that you know I you know I'm not completely married to it but um, I just think because it definitely does seem like there are complications uh, with having just the president being able to nominate Supreme Court justices um, especially with s- situations like this where, you know, in 2016, where you had uh, Mitch McConnell um, kind of, you know, basically refuse Obama's uh, nominee. Though I still believe that it would have gotten wildly rejected in the Senate because the, the Senate held the Republican majority. Um, but you know, in turn, you know, you have it in 2020 where they're kind of backpedaling on that, saying, "Oh, well, you know, it, you know, uh, you know, we don't have to wait to have you know uh, President Trump be able to submit his uh, nomination." Um, though I don't, you know, again, I don't, I don't think that, uh, that Trump shouldn't be allowed or shouldn't have the, uh, authority to, uh, in this present moment. But I just think obviously there are complications just in general with it.
0: Yeah. And I understand that, you know, I, yeah, as far as the, the Republicans flip-flopping on it. Yeah. I mean, I, and I'm pretty sure I had said this at the time. I'm pretty sure I had you know when Obama was trying to nominate Merrick Garland to the Supreme Court when Antonin Scalia died I think he died in March of 2016 oh, and yes. yeah the the Republicans basically changed the rules to where you couldn't mm-hmm. nominate someone during an election year of their of their last term uh, when I think it was when the I I, well, maybe this is part of their backpedaling that they're trying to say. Now, now they're trying to say, well, you know, the reason it's different is because the the Senate and the White House are controlled by both parties, as opposed to back then, the Senate yeah. was controlled by the Republicans and the White House, the executive branch was Democrat. But even still, you know, I I don't think that I think that rule's silly. You know, yeah, I think that it's, I think
1: that's just an excuse, being I, like, oh, well, we yeah. possess the power, so you know, there shouldn't be a process held in general it's like well (laughs) and you know at that point you know if if we're going down that route then you know you're by admission you're you know you're uh yielding the point or well not it's not saying that you are but uh the republicans are saying like essentially they're admitting outright that they can (laughs) they have complete control of the legislative and the executive branch so it's like why have the process and it's like Okay, maybe yeah. you have a point, but like, don't you see the inherent problem with mm-hmm. the fact that you know that that you know that that's the current state that we are at?
0: Well, they'd be saying um, the the exact opposite if both Obama and the Senate were Democrat Democrat. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's the problem. Like, I you know, if you're consistent on the issue, that's one thing, but if you're just exactly. flip flopping like that, it obviously we should know better than to just take a politician's word at, at face value and say, "Oh, well, they must have they must have a principled stance." Huh. No, they don't always have that. They're typically looking out for their own their own selves. Yeah. And you know, I think that plays true here. My thing is, you know, if the 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 whether it's not about whether or not a president should be able to nominate someone during an election year. I think they should. I don't think, because even Ruth Bader Ginsburg said that, you know, a president doesn't take time off of an important duty like that during an election year. And I, Mm -hmm. that's one of the rare things I agree with her on, you know, so it doesn't matter if it's, (laughs) (laughs) if it's Donald Trump or Barack Obama or Hillary Clinton or God forbid, Joe Biden, you know, I, it's, it's an important duty. And, Especially because if you think about it, there's a decent chance that the election this November is going to be such a close election that they're going to have to go to the Supreme Court kind of like to
1: figure out
0: kind know, of like what they yeah. did in 2000 with the Bush Gore election, you mm-hmm. know, and you don't want just eight justices, a four for four, uh, just you know, trying to figure that out. That's 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 chaos right there. You need that extra yeah, vote. And, you know, I also disagree with the Democrats that are now threatening to pack the court, which is something yeah. that FDR tried to do when he wasn't getting his way, tried to add like four or five more seats on there so he could he could have more on his side. And it's like, no, that's not the way to do it. And so kind of going back to what you were talking about with the whole nomination kind of thing, you know, I, I kind of see it as... It's it, it the checks the checks and balances system still works because yes the president nominates but they don't get through until the senate decides and you know he does he does consult he or she you know the president consults multiple offices and you know he gets he gets recommendations from people he doesn't just typically at least as far as tradition goes and I think this is even in the constitution I, I could be wrong. But at least as far as tradition goes, they they consult with different offices, different people before they make their choice and which is typically how you want to do it anyway. If you're if you're making that important of a nomination, you'd you you do not want to just go with your gut. You wanna have some some uh some yeah, advice I mean, I'm not, I'm not, from people. I'm not
1: claiming that it's just arbitrarily made on a whim. Uh, right. But, you know, I think, you know regardless of the process, I mean it's still ultimately Trump making that decision. I mean in theory, well, well, and not just Trump, but the, the presidency. I mean, in theory, the president, you know, the whoever's president could just, in theory, just decide to nominate whoever. And uh, I'm not saying that, you know, historically that's been the precedent, but I'm just saying it is within the realm of possibility. And I think having power consolidated to just one person uh, when it pertains to uh, being able to submit Supreme Court uh, nomina- nominations, I think just can lead to a lot of problematic, problematic scenarios, especially with, you know, the current one that we find ourselves in right now. Um, but I, I, yeah, I'm absolutely not saying that the president shouldn't, president shouldn't have the authority um, to be able to submit nominations. I just think it shouldn't be like the sole authority. Okay. Um, and, and yeah and again that was that was my original statement was that presidents shouldn't have the authority at all and then after you know talking about that I was like well you know i've kind of you know basically gone back on that and been like you know i i think it's more of just the matter of the sole authority of you know uh submitting nominations but um but yeah i agree with you i, I don't think generally that that pro, you know that process is you know or or that pick is made on a whim i think it's uh like you adequately pointed out you know there there's uh you know there's there's an extensive process that goes along with that and but i I, but i I still think just having the department of justice involved in being able to submit nominations would be um i think would be you know relevant because it's within their uh you know within their ballpark uh i would imagine you know granted Mm -hmm very limited when it comes to you know my knowledge is very limited when it comes to you know how you know the inner workings of uh you know presidential cabinets i mean you know that you know i'm very much a foreigner you know an outsider on that sort of thing but uh, i would imagine that um you know it would be extremely relevant to have the department of justice uh, weigh in on that sort of thing and maybe they do but um but at least i think giving them the option to have their submission as well, I think would be really beneficial.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I, I will say, it, you know, this kind of discussion does bring up the idea that, and, and, you know, the, the more I look into it, I mean, I understand the argument. But, you know, I, I think, I think one of the issues I have with the Supreme Court is, is the fact that they're lifetime appointments. Yeah, you know, the, you. the fact yeah. that the, they essentially can stay in as long as they want, you know, and, and the reasoning, you know, as I looked into it, the reasoning behind a lifetime appointment is because from my understanding, the founders thought that if you have, if you have a lifetime appointment, you're less likely to be influenced by whichever political party, you know, you kind of, you're, you know, you're not influenced as much by the, the ebbs and flows, you know, the the waves of, you know, just how the politics work and everything in the Senate and and party stuff, but at at the same time, it, it's it's kind of how I view Congress as well. I, I'm pretty pro term limits as far as Congress, you know, and oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, I almost the fact that always, there isn't, yeah. I almost always get pushback from somebody whenever I mention it because the you know, the typical argument is, Well we, we have we have term limits for Congress. It's called elections. Yeah, but if you if you live in a super liberal or super conservative district, well, you know, good especially when you're especially when you're getting <laughs> backed by these really wealthy donors, you know, good luck trying to unseat someone that's been in there thirty to forty years. You know, there's a reason why Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden have been in 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 public office for decades because you know, they they even when there is a challenger, they're not gonna get support because they're yeah. not they're not at the top of the food chain. So really to me, you know, you don't have to necessarily make it as exactly the same as the president's term limits, but there should be some kind of limit to how long you can serve because see the way the fa- the founders didn't view they didn't view serving in politics as something to get rich off of you know yeah <clears throat> you know if if they if they were around today and they saw that you were making like six figures and you were in congress or the senate i mean that that would be pretty ridiculous to them i'm i'm pretty sure but they viewed it as something that you did out of necessity not necessarily because it was your dream dream career choice but we've now turned it into this thing where it's it's this whole this whole structure this whole new world of people just you know making it rich and that that to me it plays into the longer you're in washington the less likely likely you are to do what you originally came there to do and that's to represent the people because if you're in there for so long I mean, how much do you really care about what the people want if you're filthy rich, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So that oh, that's and, that's, uh, that's kind of my issue with the Supreme and Court. I th-
1: and I think also just uh, you know, I think also it plays a lot with how I don't think they probably would have expected how how much cities have expanded and grown over the, you know, the the past, you know, couple centuries, <laughs> you know, when uh, you know, when, you know, when drafting all of this. Um I mean, I mean, look at New York, for instance. I mean, trying to get a Republican candidate to win in New York, I mean, like, there's no, there's <laughs> yeah. no way, yeah, or really even just a a moderate, um, a moderate,
0: uh, a non, Democrat. a non-Marxist, essentially, <laughs> yeah, a non,
1: yeah, a non-progressive, non-Marxist Democrat at this stage, is you know impossible. I mean, that's why AOC has been winning, despite you know how incompetent. And ineffective that she is at her job, um, you know, she's been able to get reelected simply because of how insanely progressive her district is. Well, and how New York is in in general, too. Um, But again, I think it also plays into uh, another factor, too, that, you know, you brought up earlier was the fact that the Supreme Court has, has grown in size as well to the point where they can just you know strong arm you know laws into fruition like it's not even <laughs> you know what i mean it's like um well like for instance when uh gay marriage was um you know put into law i mean it was i think i think ruth Bader ginsburg actually was um uh, uh the one that basically strong armed uh you know that legislation into law um and you know again i'm you know i'm I'm definitely not, you know, uh, anti-gay marriage or anything, but it's just the <laughs> the process for that being put into law was not done through the traditional means. Um, and the fact that justices can just arbitrarily deem that this is, you know, that X is now law is, you know, <laughs> kind of a, uh, you know, a major usurpation of power, I would imagine.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like I said it's it's definitely an interesting conversation you know no matter where you fall on on the issue but I just I I have issues with this idea that you can you can make it so so much money and I don't have anything against money I mean I'm I'm a capitalist I, I'm fine with people I like money uh, I'm I'm fine with people raking it in but it's <laughs> it's, it's just you know, I, I just think as far as term limits go, I again, I think it makes more sense so you're not entrenched in D.C. for so long that you just yeah. kind of lose touch with reality. And I, I mean, I, I do think it plays into how, how the government functions if, if you've got people in there that are losing touch with the, the people that... Put them into office in the first place, you know. Yeah, you absolutely. you want you want to make laws that are gonna work the best for the people that you represent. So, I just think it plays better into that role. But um, let's go ahead and switch topics completely here. I, I know you've I know you've been focusing on this topic a decent amount. You actually did a video on this on your YouTube channel, going off script, talking about. Uh, Microsoft buying ZeniMax Media, which is the parent company of Bethesda, and they bought it for $7.5 billion, which the first thing I thought of when I heard that was like, dang, George Lucas, what were you thinking? You let Disney buy your empire for $4 <laughs> yes. billion and they buy a games game studio for $7.5 billion. <laughs> well, but, and to be
1: honest, I was actually kind of expecting that number to be slightly higher because of... You know, the amount of money they make from subscriptions through, you know, Elder Scrolls Online and the amount of money that they've made through Doom Eternal and uh, Fallout 76, as disastrous as that game was. I mean, that game still ended up making, uh, you know, an insane amount of money, um, you know, not to mention, you know, their Fallout first, you know, subscription that is basically you're essentially paying for uh, base features that were originally in the game, but now not in the game. Uh, and you still have suckers that <laughs> are still paying money for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I was actually kind of surprised that it was that low. Um, however, even still, I think that this is a powerhouse move for Microsoft because they've essentially been, uh, within the gaming industry, you know, over the past you know, I'd say the past decade now, uh, you know, you're depending on your perspective of it, um, you know, they've been drastically losing in the console war with Sony, and that's not me being, you know, a, a console fanboy, that's not me being you know, trying to stoke the flames. I'm I, not in I'm the talking, pocket for Sony per se.
0: Per se. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I don't know there, how much money are, you're getting from Sony. There are plenty of
1: things <laughs> I have. Yeah. I've, yeah. I wish I was getting money
0: from Sony. But, uh, That's right. That's where you're breaking but, it in. Um,
1: but no, I think, uh, trust me, there are plenty of <laughs> things that Sony is doing wrong on their end, especially with their console pre-orders. But, uh, Oh, I heard that but, one well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, comparatively you know with well let, let's take take into consideration let's compare you know this, this past console generation i mean they were very much you know losing the reins on you know being competitive with sony and i think they are taking i think there is a method to their madness it's it's still madness don't get me wrong but i think they are heavily shifting away from the concept of just console gaming in general to the point where all of you know all of their content and uh, everything is going to be available on the xCloud and the Game Pass and having all of these different services. And I think it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's there's convenience and there's also you know they're 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 also trying to bury you in all these subscriptions, all these services. They're they're basing their business model in a games as a service model, uh, whereas Sony is staying traditional as of right now, anyway. Um, you know developing consoles you know producing exclusive content um you know just just staying true to that to that typical that traditional business model but with them buying Bethesda uh that's colossally huge because now everything because it's not just Bethesda games it's also Arcane Studios it's also it's software it's also um gosh i wish i could remember i th- I can't remember if I said arcane or not, but... Yeah, you um, did. uh, But point being, there's multiple studios under the the ZeniMax Bethesda name. But, like, yeah, essentially now, I mean, they they have all these titles like, you know, Doom Eternal and... um, Skyrim. Dishonored, yeah, Skyrim, Dishonored. Fallout. um, Fallout, yeah, absolutely. So all those titles are essentially going to be under... (laughs) <laughs> the, the Xbox umbrella mm-hmm. and that also because Xbox also owns Obsidian that would potentially allow them to create more you know more content like Fallout New Vegas and kind of more expand on that um, story aspect of Fallout as well which I think would be a, a huge move for them mm-hmm. Um, so I think again I I think Xbox has kind of checked out I think they're just like OK, you know, we didn't win this console war, but we don't have to because now we're taking everything that we have and we're going to be shifting it into convenience and a subscription uh, at like a subscription service aspect.
0: Yeah. And we we've touched on this, I think, in our last episode or one of mm-hmm. one of our last episodes where we talked about how it seems like Microsoft is heading in this direction and you know, I, I think it's a pretty smart move for them to do this because it, it, for one thing, it, it looks like they aren't necessarily going to make so like Elder Scrolls 6. It doesn't it, they, I mean, they haven't specifically said as far as this game, but as far as all these these games that are under under these studios, they haven't necessarily said that they're going to be Microsoft exclusives as far as, you can no longer play these games on any other system. They did say they will review these games on a case by case basis, so there I'm sure there will be some games that you can only play on on Xbox. I am kind of yeah. interested to see if if for the next Elder Scrolls game if they're gonna try to make that an exclusive, or I'd be even more interested if they decided, you know, you can play it on both Microsoft and you can play it on on the Switch, but you cannot play it on the on the PlayStation. <laughs> Just to kind of, just to kind of rub it in their faces a little bit. I don't know.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and 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 oddly enough, as anti-consumer as that is, it you know, again, you have to think about this in the premise of what advantage does it give the consumer to buy your product over somebody else's? That's what mm-hmm. you're constantly having to think of. So it's like, yes, it's it's anti-consumer in a way, but you know, in business, not everything is super pro-consumer because. At the end of the day, you're also trying to profit from it. Right. You know, so <laughs> this idea of it's like, oh well, exclusive content is is horrible and awful. It's like, okay, yes, maybe in a broad sense, but you have to think about it in the perspective of if I'm trying to incentivize people to buy my product over another, I have to have something in my favor. I have to have something that I can give people that is you know head over heels more convincing than what my competition has Mm -hmm. and if microsoft goes down that route then absolutely you know they they would be making a really smart business decision um you know a perfectly legitimate uh business decision
0: yeah and you know i yeah the thing is i'm not necessarily on one side or the other as far as you know, I, I'm used to Xbox. I've I had a PlayStation 2 way back in the day, excuse me, but I've I've mostly had Xbox or Nintendo. But at the same time, I mean, I, I said this on one of our recent shows. I'm more than likely, if whenever I do decide to upgrade, I'll probably upgrade to a PS5, just because I, I like the exclusives they have on there, and plus they play all the the PS4 games, so mm. might might want to do that yeah. too. But you know i i still want and i'm sure you feel the same way i still want xbox to succeed because if 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 they succeed yeah, exactly. especially with exclusives and mm-hmm. if they start working better at making games that people really want to buy and not just you know even even if you can still play it on pc you know if they would just make make more games that people really want to play i think that's good for everyone because I like playing video games and I like mm-hmm. games that are, you know, fun to play. But if if PlayStation is offering me me things that I want to play more, kinda like what you were just talking about, I'm more than likely mm-hmm. to go over there, and yeah, it, it helps me as far as, oh now I can play these games, but it also helps Sony because they're profiting off of the money I give them. So
1: Yeah, and you know, realistically speaking, and this was something that I was really surprised with. Was the fact that Microsoft, um, with I think with Ghostwire Tokyo and another uh, Bethesda title, um, essentially they were going to be timed, you know, Sony exclusives, you know they were going to be you know uh, exclusive releases. Um, or you know, at the very least timed to where you know it would it would later come to other platforms. And as far as you know, Phil Spencer said, you know, he said that you know they're still going to honor those agreements mm-hmm. and i thought yeah. that was interesting because then that that really shows me that they don't really give a damn about um exclusivity and i think th- there are some pros with that but uh, i think in long term though especially with how poorly microsoft has um overseen a lot of their first party projects like Scalebound and Crackdown 3 and Fable Legends and uh, there were a few others as well Um, I mean yeah there there were a lot of issues with Microsoft overseeing things so I'm curious if Microsoft is just going to just buy everything up and but just say hey you all of you do your own respective thing when it comes to your projects or if they are going to Go down the route of trying to micromanage everything, and I think if they go with trying to micromanage everything, I think it's just going to be like an a, a, like an EA situation where they're just trying to, sh- you know, shoehorn whatever it is that they they want into you know their games to the point where it just ultimately breaks the project. Um,
0: yeah, because I I think I thought I'd read that with this acquisition they were. They were gonna bring over all the current employees mm-hmm. to uh, that were still working at Bethesda and these other studios to still keep working on their projects. But yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> I hope they don't try to, you know, pull a Disney or or something like that and and try to micromanage everything and end up ruining. Popular franchises because <clears throat> that's yeah, never absolutely. been done before. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? So, so, so did you, uh, I'm curious, did you try to pre order a PS5 or one of those or an Xbox? I, I'm assuming you're probably gonna, if you do get a system, you're probably going with PS5, right?
1: Uh, yeah, just because, like you said, you pointed out, I mean, they, you know, a, a lot of their exclusives are, you know, you know, they're a lot of their content, their first party content is just really solid. Um, I haven't tried to pre-order simply because I'm, you know, stupid broke, but, uh, <laughs> you know, when I actually get money, I'll, uh, I'll probably be, you know, getting a PS5. Now, whether I'll get money in time to pre-order or not, you know, that, that'll be a different story, but, um,
0: yeah. Well, you're probably better off waiting anyway because of like you like you kind of mentioned earlier in the segment. Yeah, it's been an absolute it's, disaster. It's been a disaster for for both for both mm-hmm. corporations. It was a disaster, and I, uh, I I follow a couple people that are into reviewing different um, technology and, and things like that. So they were looking into pre-ordering PS5s and Xbox Xbox Series X and S. And I just remember watching their videos talking about how atrocious the pre-order process was, but because uh, I, I believe on Sony's end, they they announced a release date, but they didn't really give a specific pre-order date. And then all of a sudden, boom! Okay, pre-orders are up, and there wasn't really a you know a time set for it. You know, I, I heard the argument, and I'm curious what you think about this, even though it was still a disaster and they could have done other things better, as far as surprising people with when the pre-order was, I heard the argument that it was actually not a bad thing because, for one thing, I guess a constant problem in these situations is whenever a new piece of hardware or something comes out like this, you'll have these scalpers that want to... You know, buy up everything and then sell them online for yeah. like triple the price. So uh, his his argument was, that, this is from Review Tech USA on YouTube. But his argument was, with with them doing it this way, whether or not they, in, this was the reason they did it this way. He was just saying, with this happening, it may have prevented some of the scalpers from being able to just gobble up all the PS5s and almost nobody else be able to get them. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I, I I think there is some kind of merit to that. I'm not sure how you would change up the whole process of of announcing when the pre-orders would happen. But it, it was interesting, I thought.
1: Yeah, Review Tech USA, he um he uh, he's very hit or miss with me. Sometimes he'll have a uh, really insightful video, sometimes he won't, but um, I think in this instance I think he's absolutely right. Cause I mean if you you know, just go back to twenty seventeen, um I think that's when the Nintendo Switch released. Um but when yeah. the Switch came out, I mean it was damn near impossible. I mean like I was working you know, retail around that time and I, even I working you know, working at Target, like I could not get my hands on a Switch because it was yeah. just you know, it was you know, they were just so highly in demand. Um, yeah, so um I think in this instance of preventing scalpers from buying them up and then selling them for like a thousand bucks, you know it's just kind of you know i I think it's oddly enough, <laughs> I think it's kind of a you know a one of you know a better move you know in in the long term
0: yeah well and another problem they had too was that Sony had was their sites kept crashing. Not just And not just the Sony site itself where you mm-hmm, yeah. pre-order it from, but, you know, Walmart, Amazon, Best Buy crashed. And, you know, obviously I am not an expert as far as how computer stuff works, obviously, because I said computer stuff. But, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not an expert on how, you know, running a website and making it – you know, it's really solid for people to be able to use it. work. So I'm sure there's serious money that goes into making it to where people can access stuff on your site without it crashing if you're someone like Walmart or Amazon. But, you know, I got to think in the year 2020, these places should be able to build mm-hmm. the kind of infrastructure because they're worth, what, billions of dollars? Yeah, they I mean, should be able to build the infrastructure to have a website that doesn't crash so easily like i'm not even saying that i'm not even talking about it selling out so quickly that's just what happens when you have people buying your product but like people should still be able to access your website without getting kicked out of it you know mm-hmm. or or you'll get into it and then you'll hit pre-order and it seems like it's working and then it'll crash and then you lose it you know that that's kind of that's kind of ridiculous there
1: yeah, I mean, especially you know with you know especially particularly in, in Best Buy ba- in Best Buy's case, you know they they oftentimes work you know side by side with you know Sony and Microsoft when it pertains to releasing new consoles, uh, and the fact that they were so wildly unprepared to you know deal with this, you know the the massive influx of pre-orders, um, you know is kind of crazy to me. I think ultimately when it pertains to just, you know, server stability and, you know, being able to have the necessary bandwidth um, of being able to, you know, process all these pre-orders, I think you're just going to run into that problem inherently Um, because across the board, you know, there's going to just be, like you said, scalpers. um, And not to mention that with COVID, you know, a lot of people, even still as of, you know, you know, uh, late September, you know, are still jobless because of COVID. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have a lot of people, you know, not tremendously too much to do. And, you know, if they happen to have money, you know, and they're wanting to place their pre-orders, you know, they're going to do it. And, uh, so,
0: yeah. And it doesn't help that Microsoft, and and maybe I'm being too harsh on on Microsoft for this because you know I I don't understand how the the hardware works necessarily, but you know they're they're trying to tout the new generation, especially the this series S, as the much more affordable option. Well, the problem with that is, yeah, you you have first of all, it comes with like, half a terabyte of storage space on it. Well, you know, you, you can argue that whether or not that's a good thing or not, obviously, you're going to need more storage whether you get the half terabyte or the full terabyte because of how immense these games, how much space these games put on your system. But You will
1: absolutely need, at the ve- at the very bare minimum, you will need a terabyte of storage. Yeah, because well, when I got Especially my... Especially with, like, games like, you know, RDR2 taking up around... <laughs> 100 gigs or more of, you know, yeah. storage space. I mean,
0: it's crazy. Know. Yeah. So, when I got my my 1S, it came with the terabyte, but I got the Seagate um, expandable storage. It was like four four more terabytes of external star- storage. So, obviously that's more than enough for me, but now with the with the series S and X, they've made it to where they they've made it to where you can still technically connect a like a USB external hardware storage device to it mm-hmm. you just can't play anything that's in Xbox Series S or X title you can you can I guess you can huh. download it you can store it there but you can't play it because of I guess the way it's built so in order to huh. really play those games you have to get the SSD which there um, is like a I guess a, you want to call it a, an upgrade storage device and yeah so an
1: th- SSD essentially is just a um, basically an SSD is just a more consolidated more you know a, a high, you know a much more effective uh, internal, Basically, internal hard drive, essentially.
0: Yeah. Um, Cause and it, l- l- the,
1: s- because with SSDs, oftentimes, it they're much more efficient at processing, you know, being able to launch programs and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And if supposedly, if these consoles are capable of essentially being able to run these games at 4K 60fps, which I think is total bullshit, by the way, I think that number is going to be entirely dependent upon the developers of these games, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, um, if 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 these games are capable of reaching these numbers, um, they will definitely need an SSD. Um, yeah, that is without question. Um, yeah, especially if they're wanting the, the the you know the the load times that they're wanting to be so minuscule, uh, it, it'll definitely require an SSD. Well,
0: and that, and that's part of the thing is the series S and X are supposed to be you know several times faster than the xbox one at loading your games so it's pretty much almost instantaneously once you hit the the title of the game it's boom you're in the game uh you know at least from what i've seen but you know back back to the the price of of everything they just announced the price of the one terabyte seagate ssd you want to guess how much that is unless you already saw I'm going
1: to I'm going to I'm going to spitball I'm going to say like
0: 450 $450? Yeah,
1: like $450.
0: Okay. Uh well, no, actually it is cheaper than that. It's like I think it's 220 or 2, two 220 or 230 just for 1 mm-hmm. terabyte and Granted,
1: no. I was I was I was saying that number because you know I I figured with it being like a an Xbox or Sony dedicated thing, uh, I figured they would try to you know hawk the price a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but even still, that is uh, quite <laughs> quite expensive. Um, yeah,
0: yeah. Because when I got my four terabyte, and again, I know it's 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 not the same as an SSD, but still, the four terabyte storage for the Xbox One. It, it, was, it was like $100 cheaper than that when I got it. And so, you know, I just think that if you're going out and buying... If you're going out and buying a $300 console if you're wanting to get the more affordable Series S, if you're paying another $220 on top of that for just one more terabyte of storage, you're essentially paying for a series X <laughs> you know because because you think about it now it's like now it's like a little over five hundred dollars and you've got one and a half terabytes of storage now as opposed to if you just bought the series X it would be five hundred dollars and you've and you're starting out with one terabyte you know yeah so you're exactly. essentially paying more for not much more <laughs> if not slightly less but yeah. it, yeah, it that, again, that's why I'm not looking at and, and I don't know if Sony is doing the same thing with with their system. I, I haven't heard anything about them doing a where you have to get an SSD or whatever. I'm sure you have to get storage for it, but
1: yeah, I, I mean obviously, I, if you want more storage on your on your console, you'll you'll definitely need a external. Yeah, or drive of some sort, but um,
0: I would imagine it would you could get by with a USB one though, um, except you yeah, know, I inst- would uh, instead of a SSD for Microsoft, mm-hmm. but I don't know, I could be wrong. <laughs> so. Yeah,
1: they've been pretty radio silent as far as that goes. I'm not entirely sure exactly what they what that whole process entails, but
0: yeah, anyway, it's interesting and. If there's more updates involving that, I'm sure we'll give it to you, even though we're both not not wealthy enough to get one right now. It's still interesting to, <laughs> to keep track yeah. of. So now kind of switching gears uh, again here, maybe our final story of, of our show. Spencer, you noticed something about Netflix that you wanted to bring up as far as their uh, yes. something that they've oh, banned, yes. that, that, that they've gotten rid of, at least from their platform.
1: Yeah. So, um, I, I had actually n- had not, I, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't, I was I was completely unaware that there was even a, you know, a Netflix dark crystal show, but apparently, um, Netflix had produced a dark crystal prequel series, um, to obviously Jim Henson's, uh, 1982, you know, dark crystal film. And, uh, you know, it's, highly highly you know critically acclaimed it's uh i i want to say it's somewhere in the upper 90s both in the critic and user score on netflix and it has also won like two emmy awards but uh netflix revealed that they are now canceling um basically their dark crystal series but really you know but meanwhile uh films like cuties are still accessible on their platform and oh it's, obviously this is you know it's created a, a huge stir on twitter and um mm. and it's just like again you know it's like you're <laughs> it's like you're gonna cancel this critically a acc- you know this critically acclaimed you know children's show that has won two emmy awards but yet you- you're still gonna keep this you know insanely morally reprehensible film on your platform because you know you think it's just it's it, it's clear that you know that netflix is trying to just shoehorn this and there you know sh- to shoehorn an agenda and the fact that the dark crystal has done so well as it is despite from what i could tell i've watched some clips of the show it, do- it doesn't it it very much seems to be very absent of any political messaging or 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 you know Overall narrative, which is good. I, I I personally think that's how most media should be. I know very controversial, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, from what I've seen of you know that show, I mean, it's very you know politically, um, you know, it's very absent of any political narrative or, or message. Um, hmm. and it, and it's and it's evident that it <laughs> that it drives netflix up the wall because they want films like cuties to be critically acclaimed and yet yet here it is i, I actually we will go ahead and take a look at the cuties rotten tomatoes score and compare it between the two
0: okay well as you're doing that i actually i lied there is one more thing i wanted to get to uh, and we'll get we'll get into that once you find the the score but so is this is this series? Have they made how many seasons have they made? Just one, or have they made multiple? I
1: believe two, but I okay. could be wrong about that. Huh. Uh, let me. I, I have the the one for Cuties. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm gonna have you guess. What do you think the audience score is for Cuties, and what the tomato score is for Cuties?
0: Well, I think last time I checked, it was at ten percent for the audience, and it was like. I'm going to guess around 85% for the critics.
1: Okay, so you're dead on with the critic one. Um, Audience score, it's at 14%.
0: 14%, wow. So there's 14% Fourteen percent. audiences that thinks it's a solid movie.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. Okay, so I want you to guess the scores for Dark Crystal.
0: Okay, so for the audience score, I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess 90%. And then for the critics score, I'm going to guess f-
1: 54%. Okay. So the audience score for dark crystal age of resistance is 94%. Whew. The tomato score for dark crystal is 88%. 88% so universally, universally across the board. It is like both wow. fans and critics like love this series.
0: See, that's that's crazy because usually, if if it's universally loved, that's what keeps the show going. So <laughs> yeah, I why know, would right? you why would you want to cancel something that's successful?
1: It's because the, it's because Netflix is politically driven. They are trying to make films like cuties. Uh, you know, they are trying to push films like cuties into the cultural norm and be you know both critically acclaimed. You know, accru- you know across the board on multiple websites like this um, mm. and yeah I mean it's it's so obvious that they they are trying to you know push this on you know onto their respective audiences wow. and uh, of course obviously it's not working because generally when you try to shoehorn in these crazy ideologies into your shows you know the 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 majority that doesn't adhere to that will push against it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's nuts to me, man. How, it, like, how these people aren't self aware of this. It's just, it's mind boggling.
0: It is. It is, and you reminded me, actually, of a story that I originally wanted to bring up and then I forgot until you started talking about this and it suddenly dawned on me, oh my gosh, I wanted to bring this up. And it fits perfectly into what you're talking about. So speaking of shows that have gotten canceled, actually, this is more of a reverse example of of something getting canceled. But this this show got canceled for kind of... In my opinion, the opposite reason that um, that th- that your that your show that you just talked about got canceled, and it, it just it just makes me chuckle. So the the CW's Arrowverse, which is it's on the network, CW's got shows like The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Supergirl. It had Arrow on there, hence why it was called the Arrowverse. But Arrow just ended earlier this year, so that's no longer a thing. But they they just ended a new show. There's now going to be one less CW superhero on their network, and it's Supergirl. So did you did you hear about this, Spencer?
1: I I had heard vaguely about it. I can't say that I'm entirely surprised. I mean. Uh, I don't know. See, like, see, C- it's. I mean, it's the CW. Like, uh, I will say Arrow wasn't bad per se, but I, I personally just can't get into it. But, uh, mm. but I will say the rest of the CW shows, like Batwoman and Supergirl, and you know, shit like that. It's like it. Uh, yeah, it, it's the CW. What What can you expect?
0: <laughs> it's pretty much all you have to say. It's the CW. Well, yeah. So you know th- this got canceled because it did pretty much the opposite of the Netflix show as opposed to not wanting at least as far as we're aware jamming through political agendas supergirl did pretty much the exact opposite and it made it show almost entirely about political agendas and i know you and the audience are going to be super shocked to hear that most of those agendas are left wing agendas. I know that I, I'm not trying to, you know, break too much news. You know, oh my gosh, Blake, be careful. You know, I'm, I wasn't ready for that. But no, it's it's a pretty yeah. left wing show. And I will say, I remember when this show came out, and originally it was on CBS, I believe, and then after the first season, they made a deal and moved it to the CW to be part of the Arrowverse. And, you know, the first season I thought was mostly boring through the first half of it, but second half of it I thought was great. And I was really getting into the show, and I even liked the first couple of episodes of season two. But then, just like, I don't know, three or four episodes into season two, they really started to drive in their left-wing agenda by... Having the the sister of the main character come out as gay and her trying to find her her true self and find her lover and they they focused most of season two. Uh, that was like one of the main plots of season two was her coming out and finding a a lover and and stuff like that and. You know that that alone was just annoying me because it's like, really, why why does this need to be a big deal on a show? Can't I? This is a superhero show. That's why I'm watching this. And then it just kept going on and on, making you know wisecrack jokes about how dumb George W. Bush is and how dumb conservatives are and how amazing and great liberals are, all the kind of stuff. And it just got worse and worse with each season. And I was checking, uh, I was checking the ratings.
1: you're meaning to tell me that you don't appreciate being virtue signaled to about how horrible of a person you are?
0: No, I really don't. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's like with sports or with TV shows. I, I I don't mind. See, here's the thing: I actually don't mind shows that present opinions that I don't even necessarily agree with. I just don't like it when it's so forcefully spoon fed into you that it just, you know, that's not what the show is there for. If if the show is meant to be about superheroes and I want to see it be primarily about superhero stuff. And I you know, I don't need all this other agenda stuff. Even if I agree with it, I I don't need that to be all that's in there. And, you know, I was looking at the ratings for the past few seasons and I think it originally started out with about four million viewers. And then I think the latest ratings I'd seen was around five to six hundred thousand viewers on average for each episode of season five that they just finished. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, so it just, it tanked and that's a big part of why the show canceled. Now, yeah, obviously six seasons. That's, you know, that's noteworthy. Not, I mean, you know, a lot of shows don't make it that far. So, you know, it, it, it deserves some credit, but at the same time, I mean, you can't say that it's going out on a, on a super high note because, Oh, it just did so well with audiences. It really didn't, <laughs> it really didn't do so great um so yeah i i thought that was kind of interesting so they're they're filming their upcoming sixth season right now and it's going to be 20 episodes and yeah it's it's supposed to finish out and at some point next year but they just i don't know if you saw this but they just announced they either just announced or they just showed the reveal of what the new actress is i did see that (laughs) woman and (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's just like okay. Yeah, this will, and I—I I think you've watched more Batwoman than I have. I only watched oh, the I first, have. the first two, two maybe two and a quarter episodes. I just couldn't get through it because it was so boring. You know, it wasn't Bat even Woman that it was agenda driven. It was just so boring to me.
1: Batwoman is like fascinatingly bad. Trust, uh, man, uh, I we need to sit down and just and just watch. The, like the, the, the first few episodes of bad Woman. Cause like when you, it, obviously when you're watching it by yourself, it's, you know, it, yeah, like you said, it's incredibly boring, but you know, when you have other people to watch it with you, like, Oh man, it is just, it's fascinatingly bad. <laughs> just how horrible the production of that show is, is unbelievable.
0: Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. I see, I, in the beginning, I really liked the CW shows I, I watched Flash, Arrow, I even watched Legends. You know, I, I watched these shows quite a bit and it just seemed like over time the quality of, of these shows just went down, even with Arrow, which I love Arrow and I loved the last season actually, but even with Arrow it was getting to the point where it was becoming painfully obvious that they were running out of material and it frustrated me because the lead actor became less and less a part of each episode. It's like, this is called Arrow. So why why do I have to watch episodes that are talking about his newbie teammates? Like I, That's not why I'm watching this show. But anyway, even The Flash has, has gotten... It seems like it's gone downhill in terms of its its quality content. It's still alright, but, you know, it, it's just... It, it's, it's a shame because there is a lot of material out there. And I wish they would do a better job with it, but... I I don't know how much longer the Arrowverse is gonna last. So, cause across the board, the ratings are going down. So it's it's only a matter of time, I think.
1: Well, and especially with um, what was it, uh, the the Infinite Earths? I can't remember. The, oh, the, the, the Crisis
0: of Infinite Earths. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Crisis of Infinite Earths. It's like after that happened, it was kind of like, okay, well. <laughs> it's like we've had our big you know TV universe you know crossover thing um it's like where do we go now? And mm-hmm. I think that's where CW finds themselves in and again, as horrible as that was, it's like that was kind of their big huge you know storyline you know you know plot arc that they were you know basically trying to reach
0: yeah it was and- their it was their end game. Yeah, it's their Avengers, yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the big moment they've been building up to for a while. Which I don't think they were building up to it as much as MCU was building up to the Avengers. But yeah, but you know, at least the past couple of years they'd been planning it. So, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting stuff. But anyway, um, I think that's gonna do it for our show today. We've talked a pretty good amount about quite a few different topics. Um, no. Yeah note for you guys if you're not aware the presidential debate the first presidential debate is Tuesday so be sure to watch that if if you have the time and hopefully we will try to talk a little bit about it on our next episode because um, I don't know about you but I am thoroughly interested in, in seeing what's going to happen on on Tuesday I, I'm, sure, I'm sure Trump will do pretty well as far as you know being able to stay on topic and and not appear like he's just completely out of it. Like I'm pretty positive Joe Biden's going to come across as, but who knows? I mean, he, he might, he might surprise people. We'll see. He hasn't surprised me yet, but yeah, just
1: to kind of give my quick predictions. I, I, I absolutely think Trump's going to take the kitchen sink and just bash Biden across the head with it. I mean, (laughs) I, I mean, it, they can only prepare Biden. They can only prompt him so much. I mean, he'll have his talking points, you know, he'll be prompted to, you know, give, you know, whatever, you know, sentenced or, you know, you know, rebuttal that's needed. But again, I think in the grand context of the, the potential for there to be a actual legitimate debate between Trump and Biden. I mean, I, I just don't think it's going to even be close. I think, I think Biden is, just from my observations of him, I just don't think he ha- is the, the confrontational type. I don't think he has what it takes to, you know, you know when it comes to actually, uh, you know, getting down in the trenches and, you know, butting heads with Trump. I, I just don't see it in Biden at all.
0: Yeah. And the thing is, you know, he's he's OK. He was better, but he's he's OK at reading from a teleprompter. But you're not going to have a teleprompter in that debate. It's it's you, your notes and your opponent. That's it. And you know, obviously, you yeah. have the moderator asking the questions. But, you know, it, it you, you can't you can't script it near as much as you can say a, a convention speech. So, well,
1: and I'm sure, and I'm sure CNN will be lobbing Biden all sorts of softball questions, and meanwhile, Trump will be getting, you know, actual legitimate uh, questions thrown mm-hmm. his way.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, and. You know, I, I think one of Joe Biden's biggest problems is, especially if you bring up something like Hunter Biden, which there's been more controversy surrounding Hunter Biden. If you bring up, if, if, I mean, and just really any topic, if you really press hard against, on, against Biden, he tends to lose his cool. You know, yeah. we, we've seen it before with him threatening his own supporters when they challenge him on something, and saying, yeah, "Oh, absolutely. you you wanna let's go do pushups." You know, it's just mm-hmm. I, I and and you know, and we've seen it before. Trump is not going to hold back. I mean, he may. I'm hoping he doesn't be too aggressive against him to where Biden looks like the sympathetic figure, but Trump is not going to take it easy on him. He's he's going to go after him on on things like that, and. If Biden lets it get under his skin, I think it's going to really do badly for him. So that that's kind of my prediction, too, if you will, of, of what's going to happen on Tuesday. But regardless, I think it's going to be quite entertaining. And I, yeah, am, I am very interested in seeing how that's going to go. So anyway, uh, make sure you watch that. And we will talk about some of it, I'm sure, on our next episode. But until then, be sure to listen to our podcasts again on platforms like Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, breaker overcast pocket cast pretty much anywhere you find your your podcast we'll be adding more soon but yeah thanks for listening everyone thanks for taking time out of your day to listen to us rant about things that we care about and we will see you back here next week see you guys